0: In this episode, we have the opportunity to hear from Mark, who is a former Maricon consultant, Kellogg MBA, and now he's an entrepreneur who started MyGuru, a premium tutoring agency. Mark is full of great stories about his background as a hockey player, his interest in building companies, and finally, some of the great experiences that he's had both in consulting and as an entrepreneur. We have a pretty incredible guest today. I'm really excited to welcome Mark. Mark, I'm gonna give you a chance in just a second to intro yourself, but we, uh, we are gonna hear a little bit about Mark's journey through, beyond, back weaving into consulting, the kind of ever you know extending tentacles of the consulting experience, <laughs> and um, just also hear a little bit about his personal story. So Mark, why don't you go ahead and give your introduction and then we'll dive into the conversation.
1: Sure. So, yeah, my name is Mark Skoskevich. Um, I've been in consulting, I guess, mostly on, but on and off for a little bit over 15 years. And so I did an undergraduate degree in finance at Indiana. And after that, I kind of networked my way into a, a firm called Maricon Associates. I was there for five or six years. It's like a small boutique strategy consulting firm. Uh, after five or so years, I went and got an MBA from Kellogg. And when I was at Kellogg, I started an a education company, essentially a tutoring business. So that was in like 2010. And um, after Kellogg, I continued to work on that uh, somewhat as like a side project at first, and then it, it slowly got bigger, and now it has a few employees. But um, when I finished with Kellogg, I went, I went back to Maricon as a manager, um, and I was there for, for a few more years. And then eventually I decided to take uh, like the leap and leave sort of the cushy job at American, uh, focus a little bit more on my guru. I had my first, uh, my wife and I had our first child at that point, and so there was a, a few years where I actually focused primarily on the entrepreneurial thing with my guru, and did a little bit of just like independent consulting, and then uh, my old mentor and boss uh, Tim started a firm called T R C Advisory which is yet again, a small boutique strategy consulting firm. And so now that that, I spend a lot of my time on that now, uh, as well as helping run my guru. And so I'm kind of a entrepreneur mixed with strategy consultant. That's, that's my story.
0: Some of my favorite breed of humans. So excited to have you on the, the call and the conversation today. Mark, what we're going to do is we're going to start with five fun questions just to get to know you a little bit. And then we're going to dive into the more serious, deep questions inside the call. So uh, the first one is a career that you could have pursued but didn't. Either you got a crazy career advice test when you were in high school or, you know, some recommendation from somebody or somebody that you admired that you thought you could have gone after and ended up not.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, I don't want to over overplay my skills here. This this is not really fair for me to answer this way, but I'll answer this way anyway. Um, I mean, growing up, I was a pretty competitive, like, ice hockey player, and I'm not suggesting that there's a good chance at all that I ever could have actually played professionalized hockey, but there was a dis- I, I did have to make a decision after high school, like there's this level in hockey between like being a, a high school athlete and a college athlete where you go away and play like juniors. Um, and I decided to like not give that a shot and just go to college. So I guess that's my answer. I, I kind of sometimes wish I would have at least given it a shot to see like what would have happened. Um, probably nothing, but. But uh, I'm not a professional ice hockey player. <laughs> Do you still skate? Yeah, I still. Um, I, I coach my. I help coach my son's team, and I skate you know, at least once a week. So, still a big part of like my life, I guess.
0: That's amazing. Great. The second one is the biggest risk that you've taken that's paid off.
1: Yeah, I mean, and I'll this. I think the first one, my first answer was a little bit off. There, I think this answer is just going to be much more boring. Um, yeah, you know, I do. I already described this, but I I did decide to leave Maracon and do something somewhat entrepreneurial and like kind of focus more on my guru and have more flexibility to spend time with my son. Um, at a time when like you know I wasn't as financially secure as I am now, and it was kind of stressful for my wife. And so, but I think it paid off. I have had a lot more flexibility and things have worked out on the entrepreneurial side and and i've been able to find really interesting consulting experiences uh afterwards as well so um so yeah i'd say say that's my biggest risk
0: okay love it good so highlight of 2020 the year that people seem to have trouble finding highlights and what's been your highlight geez
1: highlight of 2020 um uh, basically after the shelter in place in Chicago and a lot of different parts of the, the country, I guess. Um, I, I basically, uh, I had, i been spending a lot of time uh, with uh, my daughter and my son just on like the stuff that they like doing. So like she likes figure skating and, and he likes hockey. And so it was really it was just when those activities started up again and I was able to see them like not in the house, like cooped up, Yelling at each other and like being generally unhappy, and finally like out doing activities again in the real world. I mean that's like that's my highlight. So just uh, breaking free and getting back into society was uh, was good.
0: Awesome! I love that one. Great. Uh, So I don't know if you've traveled yet, but if you have, the first place that you traveled uh, kind of in the new COVID reality, and if you haven't traveled yet, the first place that you will travel or hope to travel.
1: Yeah. So, um, the first place I traveled was, uh, over the first, um, the past four years we had gone, so I live in Chicago and so new Buffalo, Michigan is like an hour away. And it's a real short trip that I had gone with my family, uh, I don't know, three or four years in a row. And so when things opened up a little bit, I I felt like we were taking a little bit of a risk because you know people weren't really traveling a lot but yeah we went for one night we went to new buffalo to kind of like have like a normal life again and so that's my again another boring answer it's an hour away from chicago but it it did involve a hotel and it was a different state so so.
0: (laughs) that's totally awesome great okay and then final question there there's a this is a two-parter kind of like a bcg question first part is cubs or white socks second part is new york or chicago pizza
1: Yeah, I mean, so I'm a White Sox fan. Uh, It was kind of a tough end of the little mini season here because they were looking really strong, and then they kind of faded. Um, And then, yeah, Chicago pizza.
0: Really? Really? Uh... That's your only wrong answer you've given so far. Uh, well done. All right, Mark. Well, that's great. It's good to get to know you a little bit. We can see that your, your family um, and your you know, kind of engagement in your work is really important to you. And I'm excited to see how that unfolded as we go back through your history. So we're going to kind of just start at the beginning, if that's all right with you. And the first thing that I'm really interested in understanding is why you decided to go to your undergrad. And then while you were there, you said you networked your way into consulting how did you even find out about it? What were the, what were the things that kind of piqued your interest in consulting at the time?
1: Yeah. So I have, um, I think I have a bad habit of like evaluating my answers to questions instead of just answering them, but I'll do that again. So, um, my answer to why I found my way to my undergrad, I find really, uh, sort of like it was a, a bit of a turning point in my life. So I, um, I wasn't like a bad high school student. I, um, but I wasn't a great one and I'm not sure if I recognized, uh, how competitive um, the average student who wanted to go to a really good college needs to be or is. And so anyway, uh, I wanted to go to like Northwestern and then I wanted to go to Wisconsin-Madison and then like my fallback school was um, U of I. And then I also applied to Indiana and the only place I actually got into was Indiana. So it was kind of crushing. And I just realized that my GPA was, you know, a B average wasn't like really gonna cut it. And so that's how I found my way there but when I got there, it was just a it was a really solid experience. The business program is actually quite good and competitive and prepares you well. And I was, kind of had a turning point in how I approached academics. So I got really serious about school and like got all A's and got into the honors program. And so it was all like really good. Um, and so, as I was like doing that at Indiana, uh, I had no idea really what I wanted to do. And they would talk about like doing these informational interviews uh, to kind of learn about different careers. And I did like I did one with my uncle who was like a business person, and he had I knew that he did something called consulting, and he had worked at McKinsey for a little bit. And he just he was laying he was laying it on pretty thick in terms of like you'll learn so much, you'll learn about different parts of business, you'll get a lot of responsibility. And so um, I kind of did my research and started getting pretty obsessed with it, and so then I went back to him, and I said, you know, I don't know how to really, I know that there's some interviews on campus, but this was before my um, sophomore year, uh, and he was able to get me a, I'm sorry, this is before my junior year, he was able to get me an unpaid internship at this place called Maricon Associates, and so that's kind of how I networked into Maricon
0: I call that the McKinsey hustle when you, you start out being like, I'm just curious about it. And by the end, you're obsessing over wanting to get into yeah. consulting. Yeah. yeah, it's a it's a McKinsey trait that they've somehow perfected. Awesome. Well, so you went to Maricon as an unpaid associate, but obviously became more than that there. So tell us about your early experience and how you transitioned that into full-time work.
1: So, yeah, my experience, early experience at Maricon was, I think quite unique, but I I mean I think there's a lot to learn from it. So like I said, I came from Indiana, networked in, they didn't really have like an unpaid internship program, but it was, you know, my, my uncle knew one of the partners and said, Hey, my nephew is really motivated and a smart kid and he'll do this for free and would anybody be interested in having him on one of like the local teams. So that was that first summer and you know, I worked really hard, listened a lot tried to ask questions, tried to contribute. And so they asked me back then for the next summer as a paid intern. That was, you know, Maricon at the time was bigger than it is now. They did have like internship programs. So that wasn't that unheard of. So that was a bit more of a normal experience where I was literally put on a case team. And then, but then again, like I, you know, I did a good job. And so I was, I was able to kind of bypass the official interview process and just i got an offer then after my internship so um but what i always like to say is that um my whole experience at maricon as somebody who came in a somewhat non-traditional route and came from like in chicago at maricon they would only recruit from like northwestern is the only place they go to it's a small place that's a very good undergraduate school a program so that that's where they get almost everybody and then their MBA hires are all from Kellogg or Booth. Um, and so I was like the only one in the office who hadn't gone to one of those like somewhat more elite schools and kind of always had a chip on my shoulder around like wanting to make sure that people knew that I was actually good at the job and a smart, hardworking guy and didn't just have the job because my uncle knew one of the partners. Although that was kind of true, um, I think I happened to also be those other things. So um, I, you know, I was, I didn't quite feel like I fit in, but I was having like a, such a great experience and then, and then eventually I kind of grew, grew into the role, I guess.
0: I love that. Well, what is one thing that you felt like you needed to get in to Maricom? You mentioned you had the hustle and the relationship, but I'm sure that they wouldn't have taken you if you were still a doofus. So there had to be something that they also saw in yeah. you. And then what is one thing that you feel like you gained differential skill in when you were there?
1: Yeah. I think what you need, um, or at least what I needed, was the, uh, the I guess I'm gonna use the word courage, which is a weird word, but like the, just the courage to ask questions when you don't understand something and, and speak up if you think you have an insightful point to make in a meeting. I think where I see a lot of younger consultants go wrong is not, not asking enough questions and then kind of things go down a path so far where they're not quite understanding like really what the problem is or, or what the team is working on and they get a little bit lost. So I think, I think that was important, just being willing to ask questions to make sure you're keeping up. Um, and then I think the, the differential skill uh, that I got from Mericon early on was just being able to like track a work stream and understand how to prioritize things and get the most important thing done first, and then the next most important thing. And because if you spend three hours working on like the seventh most important thing that you should be working on, you'll get behind, you won't be able to get all of your work done, your manager's gonna get frustrated, um, the project is gonna be in trouble. So kind of prioritization was a really important skill.
0: I love that. Well, then you decided to go get an MBA at a, you know, a, a kind of um, one of those schools that you mentioned, right? One of the brands that you talked about. How did you decide to go to Kellogg? And what did what were you thinking about? Were there other schools that were on your list? What it was it about Kellogg that made that the right decision? And how did you know it was the right time?
1: Yeah, I mean, um, this is another, I guess, less exciting answer. I. I I was still I had there are reasons why I started my guru related to not liking everything about consulting, but I was still liking consulting. I felt like I was good at it, like I I had a well rounded skill set so that I could I was the analysis was not a problem, communicating was not a problem, man managing work streams, I was getting experience managing people too. Um so I knew I wanted to come back and if I went to go get an MBA I was going to have an offer to come back as a manager, which would kind of allow me to bypass the sometimes uncertain process of like, do you get promoted in this round or not because of whatever conversations happen behind closed doors. And so I, 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 that was attractive to me and I knew that I was probably somebody they would be willing to um, sponsor so they could get partially paid for. so it was like it was about that time. and then that, that it also happened to be a time. It was like the the Great Recession. So there was a lot of uncertainty around like the firm, and it felt like a reasonable time to go do that. i ch- I chose Kellogg because um, oh, and by the way, I should say that honestly, um, I think a lot of people go to MBA to get an MBA um, kind of viewing the actual academics, the the stuff you'd learn as like a clear second or third reason. I, I do think it was like things related to operations or marketing theory that I hadn't really had much exposure to. Um American was very heavy on like strategy and finance and so I thought that would it would be helpful to like round out my skill set. So so that's why. Um Kellogg this is a very boring answer, but they had they had that one year program and um I knew I wanted to go back into consulting and um kind of a frugal guy. So I I didn't want to have like such a high opportunity cost. And so I really focused on that one year program. That's why I went there.
0: If you're enjoying learning about strategy and want to put it into action, one of the best ways to do that is by joining us on a future Strategy Sprint. Strategy Sprint is a two day training process, one day for skills and one day to plan with a team how to solve an actual case. Then we put you live with a client for an entire week with a coach that is a former McKinsey, Bain, or BCG staff member. Your coach will guide you through how to interact with a client, how to resolve data, and how to make great recommendations. Join us for the next strategy sprint by finding the link in the show notes and registering on our upcoming waitlist. We look forward to having you. If you... Uh... Had to do it over again. Is there anything different that you would have done in your up to the end of Kellogg season of your career?
1: Um, up to the end of Kellogg, I, I think. I think what I would focused in on there is uh, at Kellogg because I was pretty clear that I was going to go back to consulting. And because I had, which I haven't really talked about much yet, but but because at the beginning of Kellogg, I had decided that like I had this entrepreneurial itch that I wanted to kind of scratch by starting up a little, you know, a business at Kellogg. So i was spending time on that. I did not like invest my time and effort in like building a network or really having like an MBA experience, which I still kind of regret. Um, so of, of of in my. Going all the way back to high school I would have gotten better grades and gotten into more colleges. <laughs> then after that I would have like more fully invested myself in, in the MBA program to like meet people and experience new things. Um, so yeah.
0: So that's the downside of being too focused on the right things is that sometimes yeah, the I bigger definitely. picture actually, right, is is kind of yeah. the long game. I love that. Thanks yeah. for that insight. Well, then tell us a little bit now about the launching of My Guru. At, at that point there are a couple of things that start to happen at the same time, right? You have My Guru happening a little bit. Um, and I'd love to know just the business thesis of it, where it started and where it's evolved to. But then you also had going back to Maricon, and then you have the season at TRC Advisory. So I'll let you just kind of unpack th- that for us, so that you can walk through what happened in the order that you think uh, makes the most sense from the learning experience.
1: Yeah. Um, so I, I think I started, and I'll be—I'll be honest. I I started something in business school. I didn't. And I just wanted to do something because one of the downsides of consulting is that although there's a ton of learning, and um, you meet a lot of people, uh, the the fact is it's they're typically three month projects, and the deliverable is is a PowerPoint document, usually at least in the consulting that I was involved in. Mm-hmm. And you're you know you're selling ideas, um, so you aren't really involved in implementing the ideas, and there's a lot that it takes to actually execute against the ideas that you don't, at least in the, the type of consulting I did, don't get involved in. And so it was a little bit like, I felt like I was missing something about um, being a successful business person that uh, I didn't want to miss. And I and I, I would look at some of the partners at Maricon and I could tell that they had done this their whole life. And So when the conversation started getting into the actual uh, nitty gritty of how to execute, um, you know, they weren't as strong. And so, um, so I wanted to do something entrepreneurial, uh, at Kellogg, at Kellogg. Um, the thesis, the reason why I ended up being a tutoring company was I had done some tutoring as an undergrad at Indiana uh, in finance and accounting. And I was just able to see how sometimes like the one-on-one instruction can really turn, turn, turn things around for somebody who just isn't kind of getting it in the class. So I became just sort of interested in the idea of, um, finding kind of a better way to bring one-on-one instruction to to more people. I'll be completely honest. There's a lot of like tutoring agencies out there. So one, a one-on-one tutoring company is not like the most novel idea. Um, so it was just, but it was something that I understood because I had a little bit of experience as a tutor working for a private tutoring company. Um, I wanted to do something entrepreneurial. I didn't have a ton of capital. I just kind of wanted to start going, learn about different marketing strategies, hiring people, starting a business. And so that that kind of was why I followed that path. Um, I don't know if I fully answered Absolutely.
0: And yeah, I, I just so. want to call it one of the things that you said, and just make sure that I heard it right. I think you said Maricon was a big ideas place, and you were focused on yeah. selling the ideas. And one of the things that was actually attractive about this is that it wasn't a novel idea. That wasn't the point. It was execution yeah. focused. And you believed that there was a gap in the way that the idea that had been done before was going to be executed.
1: Yeah, that's. I mean, that's exactly right. Um, I, I had been involved in selling ideas, and I wanted to be involved in something that was more, like the, the execution was the more important thing, right? Exactly. Um, I mean, and I guess if you, if somebody asked me, like, why, well, why would somebody work with my guru versus some other tutoring company? I mean, the, the differentiators I do, and again, it goes back to execution. I, I have built relationships with, like, really experienced, generally very impressive tutors who are, are very good. And it's a pretty streamlined model where, um, you know, because I haven't invested in like content development and uh, a lot of like flashy technology, um, and I don't actually spend that much money on marketing. It's it's we really are able when through search engine optimization, when somebody Google's the right terms and finds our site, we're able to really provide like I think a very good value. And then through that continued kind of organic search traffic and referrals, it's just sort of grown into something reasonably successful. So um, yeah, it just really, it's like quality tutors um, that allow you maybe access to a tutor for the same price as taking a test prep class. And I think it's a lot more powerful to get to work one-on-one with a tutor. So that's kind of the the thesis behind the the MyGuru business model.
0: Awesome. Now, I'm curious to hear a little bit more about my guru, but I want to come back to it. Can you just talk a little bit about yeah. your exit from consulting? So you decided at some point that you know you had gone back to AmeriCon, uh, but there were these other things that you wanted to do. I'm curious if that was a critical mass for my guru, if it was a timing thing. What was it that made you decide my season in at least consulting as you had known it was ending? And when did you decide to move on?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the exit from consulting, so so I do Kellogg, I start my guru, my guru is going, I mean, the the answer to your question is fundamentally going to be my personal situation. Um, So, I'm at Kellogg, start my guru, it's going, it's something I work on like at night and on the weekends, Um, but I'm traveling and I'm managing consulting projects, and I have to stay for at least two years because of the whole like getting business school paid for thing. (laughs) So. I'm there for two, so the two years end, my guru has gotten a little bit bigger. Um, We have our first, I have my first child. Uh, There's just a lot going on and uh, the idea of continuing to sort of travel and try to like be a dad and sort of, it's like what is my guru doing if somebody needs to invest behind it or it's not gonna be successful. it's just that that for those reasons it was the right time to I think just step away and spend a little bit more time on that professionally.
0: Awesome. Well, let's talk a little bit more about, Uh, my guru in a second, but then you also mentioned TRC advisory that your friend began this organization and has built it up. And so you're kind of splitting time now between my guru and TRC advisory. So can you talk about what made you go back into a form of consulting and what's different about TRC?
1: Yeah. I mean, um, two basic reasons. I mean, the, the one reason was that, you know, Tim, who who is like the founder of TRC Advisory. Um, he was just a partner at Maricon for a long time. And uh, he was like my mentor, my friend, and I enjoy working with him. So the, the one reason was just, um, I wanted to help him build something and that was interesting to me. Um, and then the, the second reason though, I, I would say after having spent some time on my guru, and focused on the more execution uh, oriented elements of that, I did start to miss a little bit some of the, just the focus on uh, you know, different ideas all the time. Um, and I think part of the problem was with how I uh, approached my guru. There are things that I could have been more aggressive and taken more risk with my guru to be doing more interesting things with it, but I was spending my time spending, I was spending a lot of my time on like customer service or like accounting um, and, uh, those are not the most exciting things all the time. So um, so yeah, I I found, and the reason why I do them both now, is I get more out of both of them, um, because I'm kind of switching what I'm focused on, and I find the variety interesting. At the same time, I don't know if I'm able, like I think at some point soon, I'm gonna have to make a decision, because each one could use all of my time, you know? but, but, yeah, so, and then the TRC advisory, I guess, just a few comments on um, the thesis behind that. we do we we I think we've been able to bring kind of the approach and the thinking and the tools that we used at Maricon um, which was a firm pretty focused on selling to like larger publicly traded companies. I mean, I, at some point in time, they would be happy to have a project with almost anybody, but um, I think at TRC, we've kind of focused more on like uh, portfolio companies of private equity firms and just ha- come in at a price point that allows us to work with smaller businesses, which I found really interesting because once you're working with smaller businesses, it's easier to have impact. You can actually get involved in some more like operational or execution oriented projects. And so I've had a really good experience um, working at like the smaller the smaller firm with smaller clients
0: love that. Well, I want to hear one more thing about My Guru, and then we're going to move on to a few points of career advice. So for My Guru, what makes it special? Why do people work with you over other people? And it could be as simple as they find you and they don't find others. And it could be as complex as the differential service you provide or the the way that you explain it or, or something like that. But I think it would be amazing just to know what you believe some of the value statement is around the business.
1: Yeah. Um, I do think it comes down to like the relative to the price. It's a, it's a very high quality, like tutor that you're going to get connected with. And because we are small, there is a very high level of like customer service, um, relative to a lot of the other options that people find. And so I do think that is the secret kind of the secret sauce It's just once somebody does find us, um, you realize you're working with somebody who really is an expert, and it's very clear that the, that the company is is listening and wanting to make sure that it's a good experience for you. Um, I think that a lot of the industry is is investing behind really like kind of seemingly interesting like apps or programs or methodologies. But I just like at the end of the day, I come down to you need like the right skills and an, and an expert kind of making a click for you and we just continue to be focused on that. Um, uh, so I'm probably providing a, tu- uh, a rambling long-winded answer when you ask for one reason, but um, yeah, it's, it's it's the customer service and the tutor quality, I would say.
0: That's amazing, and you mentioned originally that you had had this experience of doing finance and accounting tutoring. Have you guys, uh, What what are the realms of tutoring that you cover and are there any specifically that you'd wanna highlight for the audience?
1: yeah that's, well, that's a good question um so the the only thing that we that we don't clearly do is work with students like low uh younger than high school so it's like high school and above i'd say half of what we do is all of the the major standardized tests so act sat gre gmat health mcat all of those um and then over the years like almost any like subject Uh, That somebody in high school or college might be taking, except for like, you get into like the tail or the margins of some really kind of unique subjects, you might not be able to help, but almost everything, if you're willing to work with somebody online, we can almost help with any subject. So, half test prep, half high school and college and graduate level academic subjects. Love it.
0: Awesome, great. And then I have a couple of career advice questions. So because you've done it all and have learned a lot along the way, what are, I'm going to start with consulting. So what are three pieces of advice that you would give someone who is considering breaking into consulting, either uh, in the earlier stages of their their career or mid-career, like MBA or as an experienced hire?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I mentioned one earlier. I definitely think doing these like informational interviews just to just to like talk to people who actually do um, do the job is important, just to learn about what it's actually like and to make sure that you would like it um, is is one. Um, and this is advice for somebody looking to break into strategy consulting specifically, right? Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't think you can overemphasize. Like at most of these places, um, this case interview process—it's just like that—is how you get in. Um, so I, I happen to be an exception to that. I, I didn't actually have to do a case interview to to start off at American because of the internship path. But um, you, you got to practice those and take it very seriously. Um, and then I guess my third piece of advice would be. Don't just rely on the typical like case interview process. Um, If you, if you've decided you want to do it, like I'm an example of a way to kind of, kind of like find your way in. So um, if you're looking to get into consulting, I guess it would be learn about it to make sure you're going to like it because it's a pretty intense career. Secondly, it would be, you're going to have to practice case interviews. And then thirdly, look at all the different routes to find your way in. There's small firms. There's big firms. Um, it doesn't have to be like one of the big three firms with on-campus recruiting.
0: Love that. Great. And so what is one thing that you think should be a feature of people going into consulting? And what is one thing that you think that they don't learn in consulting, just to create more real expectations around some of the skills you learn and the experience you have versus Like you've mentioned some of the skills that you don't learn or don't have or the experiences that you don't have what are the ones that you would highlight there at the top for each
1: um that so just to start with the things that you you will learn when you get into consulting Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i think um one thing that i always that i like i reflect on a lot is just uh how often we have to like deal with uncertainty so i think like in school, um, very typically there's like a straight path, like we, you know you're going to be tested on this thing and so you, you practice it. In consulting, you very quickly learn, like you come out of a meeting, you think in your head it's clear what you need to do, but then you realize somebody else heard something different and then you have another follow-up meeting with your partner and he's telling you to do something kind of different. And so just um, the whole process of dealing with that and working on things... Um, that uh, are not 100% clear is one thing that I think you get out of consulting, and I, I haven't actually worked in a corporate corporate role, but I think sometimes corporate roles can be a, a lot less like that because you know you're in finance and this is the thing that you that you do or you don't do. Um, so that's that's one. Uh, I, I think for like a young a young person coming out of undergrad in consulting if I mean I'm sure you can be successful if you have like the personality where you just work super hard and you're doing the analysis and you're pretty quiet but I think most of the time you have to learn to like be comfortable communicating at least for me communicating up and down the organization more than I would have been comfortable with so um, you get better at just like talking and projecting confidence and having opinions um, that I know that I picked that up in consulting for sure Um And then I think, like, there are some types of consulting or some projects. I know I ran into a few people at Maricon who actually didn't do much analysis, but like, you'll come out of consulting with um, analytical skills that you probably didn't have before you entered. Um, So, those are the three things you get. So, and then you were also asking, What What don't you get? Because sometimes
0: I think it's, it it feels like this, you know, magical universe where you get everything that you could possibly want, but there are of course things that you don't do that because you're focusing on some of those other things that we've talked about. What do you think those are uh, that you don't get inside consulting? And if you're looking for those may make it either not the right field for you, or you need to get them on the side.
1: Yeah. I mean, um, I mean, and I think I've hit on some of them, some of them already, but I think, uh, one of the things that it, it, it's hard to get, especially like let's say you spend five, six years in, in consulting and then you're you're interviewing for a, a job that asks you like, you know, can you describe like some some clear examples of like having a financial impact or something on a project? And I think sometimes inside of an organization, you can point to you, like, well, we worked on this new product we worked on it, we launched it, it went well, we made $15 million or something. I think in consulting you have to sort of spin a story sometimes because you're not exactly sure how things ended up and you, you truly weren't necessarily a part of taking it to fruition. So I do think that's one thing that you don't you don't get all the time, that end to end, the idea, the execution and, and the result. Um, and then I think like the other thing that you don't always get is, and it depends on your project, and it depends on um, where you're working. But I mean, there were there were some, there are some consultants that I think go quite a few years at Mericor or at TRC and get frustrated because they really haven't had the opportunity to like manage somebody else um, and get some of these like leadership uh, soft skills. And I think you actually get them. You're like managing clients, but. I think some people are desiring like the idea to be like the boss of somebody else and that doesn't always naturally happen. Um, Yeah, I don't know, but really honestly, my my answer would be overweighted towards that first answer. Like consulting is often about ideas and it's less about execution and that's what I think is sometimes.
0: Okay, amazing, thanks. One year ago, we polled Fortune 500 executives and asked them what their top pain point was inside organizations. Expecting the answer to be analytics, we were shocked to find that it wasn't. Instead, the executives said that their biggest problem was prioritization. The people on their teams did not focus on what was most important to them or to the business. At Management Consulted, we have a core foundational training on the pyramid principle, which is the way that we were trained inside top consulting firms to get razor sharp focus immediately on the biggest problems an organization faces. And we can train your organization too. With top clients that are in the Fortune 100, we have a great roster that we can explain how we've made a difference inside organizations. Please reach out for more information at managementconsulted.com. And then, final question: What is one skill that you would encourage people to invest in starting right now that you think is valuable for entrepreneurship?
1: yeah, um, I go back, I mentioned it early, but I think like the prior the, the ability to prioritize is so important, like when you're an entrepreneur and and I think this applies even. Uh, and a consulting project, if you have a lot of different things you need to be doing. But if you're not like constantly evaluating like what's going to give you the most bang for your buck in terms of the investment of your time and energy, like, you can really slow down the growth of your company because you're spending too much time on things that, that don't matter. So finding a way to figure out like what matters the most and what is deserving of your attention, which might be different than like what you enjoy doing or what you're comfortable doing, um, is probably my, my biggest thing.
0: Awesome, Mark. Is there anything else that you would want to share with people that I haven't covered in my questions today?
1: Uh, I don't think so. I hope it came across though that like I'm really happy that I, you know, started my career in consulting. I think it's like it's hard to imagine like you can go in so many different directions. It provides such a nice foundation. Um, I think it's important though after a few years to if you're not you know if if you're not going to do it forever once you have that foundation to, to make a to make a jump but um yeah it's a great it's a great place to start for sure
0: so similar to my story, except I was much worse behaved when I first started. I was, I was I kind of went kicking and screaming into it, maybe a little less certain of the goodness of it, and have come to realize over the fruitfulness of a long term what what a powerful decision it was to go into it. So I fully yeah. agree with you, but I don't know that I was that enlightened early on in the yeah. same way that you are. Yeah. So thanks, Mark, for sharing. I'm going to open up the floor now for other folks to ask questions. So if you all have questions, you can either raise your hand or you can uh, pop questions into the chat bar and I'll moderate for our final 15 minutes uh, so that Mark, the, the wise, my guru, can share with us some of his personal perspective. All right, I'm gonna ask another fun question while folks are thinking about their theirs and then I'll come back to the chat in just a second. So um, it sounds like you've been in the Chicagoland area for most of your life. If you couldn't live there, where would you live?
1: Um, I, uh, I really like, so I'm Polish, so my two answers would be, I think it'd be just interesting to live in the, uh, I don't know, in the region of my ancestors, I guess, for some period of time. <laughs> and then um, I also just going back, kind of just the whole culture around hockey growing up like I um, like the like north in Canada I wouldn't, wouldn't mind living there either so I love that Pull under Canada, <laughs> <Pull>
0: under Canada. <laughs> I think mean, that's such an unusual thing okay second fun yeah. question what percentage of the time would you say people pronounce your last name correctly
1: that's a funny question I mean that's pretty low I like three, under ten percent, <laughs> around twenty five percent, under ten, five percent or less. Yeah,
0: <laughs> that a lot of people get my last name wrong, and I don't feel like it's that hard. But uh but I bet there are people that are just gonna like mark, right? You know, just uh, just just pretending it's wow. not there.
1: I'll tell you a funny story. My um, I was in the grocery store, and I don't know how how this happened but I ended up talking to like an an old woman a Polish woman and we started talking and she asked asked me how I pronounced my name and she was telling me that I pronounce I pronounce it wrong I'm like well (laughs) my grandma's from Poland and that's how she pronounces it so it's like I don't know it's like impossible to pronounce even if you're from Poland (laughs) (laughs) that's
0: amazing she told you that you were pronouncing your last name wrong she told me right exactly that's incredible. Well, um, we've got some good questions that have popped into the chat bar, so I'm going to go ahead and pull these in. Uh, first, I love this one. What do you think are the advantages and disadvantages of working for a smaller consulting firm over at MBB?
1: Yeah, that's that's a good. So there's some just uh, very concrete w- ways that I would answer that to start. So I I have this hunch that from uh, from 401K matches to time off to XYZ, I just think there are probably like this range of benefits that um, you get at an MBB that you don't get a, at a lot of smaller consulting firms, like kind of more more financial or lifestyle benefits that maybe add maybe add up quite a bit. I um, think another category of, of benefit of MBB is just you know, I, I can put on my resume that I worked at American Associates or TRC Advisory if I ever decide to do something different that requires a resume. But, um, <laughs> you know, I, I can, like, describe what I did and, like, that means something. But, you know, if it says McKinsey or Bain or BCG, I think that that branding is very valuable. I think it's very important. Um, so, so you get that, obviously. Um, from... Uh, from what I can tell though, I think that sometimes smaller consulting firms, um, it's gonna be very volatile, um, but you could have experiences that aren't as good. But I think sometimes you can be put in positions of like uh, leadership and responsibility and be doing work that's incredibly impactful at you know, beyond your years because you work at a small place that doesn't have the resources to staff that particular project. So I think a smaller firm can really build your skills um, in the actual doing of the work. Now, I'll give you one more though. I, you know, the tr- the actual academic training at an MBB is probably often much better than smaller consulting work. So, from yeah, a it's, learning it's, developments it's, perspective, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: I love that. OK, those are great, good insights. Um, let's see here, one of the questions was um, whether or not you think, and you're in consulting right now obviously with TRC, but do you think the, padem- yeah. the pandemic will cause a permanent paradigm shift in consulting, and if so, in what way?
1: Yeah, so um, you know, for me, I've been thinking about this a lot because I, I still think I need to eventually decide to spend more time on my guru the entrepreneurial path um, because it just needs it if it's going to have a chance to be really successful but but one of the reasons one of the things I don't love about consulting traditionally is um, you know all of all of the travel which sometimes has has traditionally felt unnecessary to me I mean I understand being in, in a room with somebody is important um, but I, I'm already sensing like that that's that is probably going to be different for quite a while. And I think people are probably going to learn that there is a lot, even five, six years from now, with hopefully the pandemic is completely behind us where there's probably going to be a lot more remote work, which could lead towards, I think people being increasingly comfortable outsourcing different types of work. Um, and so, Yeah, I do do think there could be a a difference in how consulting gets done over the long term, for sure. And I kind of see that a little bit with our current clients.
0: I have a question for that, because I know that a lot of people say that once you've built the relationship, it is easier to manage remotely, but sometimes it's hard to build it. Have you done a sales cycle in the consulting firm within the realm of the pandemic in the last couple of months? Have you been able to begin a new relationship remotely only?
1: Yeah. Um, good question. We, yeah, we have one, uh, very clear example of successfully doing that. So we, um, and we, and for the first time I wasn't, I'm not involved in the project, but yeah, we actually had a team. So all of the selling was done, you know, on zoom and then, uh, but we actually sent a team for the kickoff to Minneapolis on a plane and in person this week, which, you know, we had to go through a whole process of asking who who at TRC would be comfortable even doing that. so so yeah we we did we did one one sale.
0: Cool. And you think uh, so I think that's where a lot of the the learnings are going to come, right the new relationships, the new yeah. the new patterns, the new building and and I think if we're able yeah. to do that successfully, I think you're right, it could really endure. yeah so. Then another question is: What are your thoughts on some of the MBB firms in particular opening these implementation practices? So they have always had the idea part of the work, but then they have an implementation side of the business. What What, what do you think about that as a strategy, and um, and also about the kind of different kinds of work that you do in the two places?
1: Yeah, um, as a strategy, I think it makes uh, it, it makes sense. I mean these, the Bain, uh, McKinsey, and BCG, like as as a consultant for 15 years who has always worked for like a small firm, I even see, like I have one particular client now who really trusts us and spends a good amount of money on us, Um, and we work on a lot of different things, but they still have, um, they, they still have Bain in doing like various things. Um, and so I just, when you have like the reputation for being able to bring, uh, extremely smart people in, into the, into the firm for a project and you can do the work and it can go all the way up to like the board of directors and everybody understands that it was a good decision because you know, BCG did it or what have you. I don't, um, I don't really see the downside of not trying to have an implementation practice so that you can do the recommendation and then um, implement it as well. I mean, that makes a lot, just personally that makes a lot of sense to me. What I have seen, though, to, to add a little bit of an interesting flavor to it, um, I, I have had a few colleagues who worked at AmeriCon and went and get, got an MBA and decided, you know what, I'm not going to go back to AmeriCon. I'm going to go to to one of the big firms. Cause I want to have that brand and I, I just, I think it might be a different experience and that I, I might be able to build a better network and have gotten staffed on like more due diligence type projects or like integration projects. Um, and they, uh, they came over with a bad taste in them. Like they didn't, they did not like that experience. So the people actually working on the projects didn't like it. So, so, so that could be an issue in terms of like balancing mm-hmm. the happiness of your, your employees.
0: Absolutely. Good. Well, I have one final question for you. And this one, I think, is a really good one. And I get this a lot, so I'm curious about your perspective. The pandemic has now caused a shift in the way that consultants are interacting, as you mentioned before. Uh, the higher comfort with remote work, especially when everyone is working remotely. Um, but I, I get a lot of questions about how tech is and we think will disrupt the industry. And I want to actually tack on some, one of my questions to that people ask me. Why are people necessary in consulting? Why can't computers and, you know, big data and AI do the job or can it? Um, what do you think about? Those some of those changing dynamics
1: about the introduction and the advancement of technology and consulting. Yeah, um, that is happens to be something that I've also been thinking about recently because we have a client who um, it's not, it's kind of a, I'll turn it into a bit of a funny story. He he was he was quoted in like a CFO magazine as talking about like how you know, how they're using how they think about big data and how they're using AI to start to begin to you know get at different insights and I just know like that that is totally untrue like they're so early so early on in doing anything like that and um, it's
0: Excel yeah
1: (laughs) yeah I mean it's so Um, I I think that there is so frequently like an important story behind the data that needs to be told and I do, I do believe that, that there's probably going to be a movement towards AI and um, that it makes sense for companies to invest behind that, but I can't imagine that it will be that, that quick. Um, it, it, it seems to me that it's more of like a, I guess in my experience, you're gonna have new tools, better ways to analyze data, and you're gonna need to have people who know how to use those tools and to get the most out of them but if a company were to like say, well, great, now I now I have this tool so I can like not invest in the right people, I think they're probably going to be in a pretty bad place. Um, so uh, yeah, it's a, that's, an, that's an interesting problem. I I would say like in my personal opinion, if I was like a uh, an accountant that worked for small businesses, I would be much more worried because it seems like you can kind of automate the process of like doing accounting a lot more easily than you can like dig into the data of a large company and figure out what matters and what doesn't.
0: I, I agree wholeheartedly and a lot of it, that I think has to do with rules, right? If the rules are super clear and there's a single way that you're supposed to do something, it's much easier to automate. But if you have... This massive amount of inputs, both qualitative and quantitative, and you also have a massive number of outcomes, none of which are qualitatively viewed as better or worse than others. And they're, they have all, a bunch of different elements to them. It just adds to the complexity of what you're trying to put through a decision-making system. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. Well, awesome. Mark, thank you so much for your time. Appreciate you and your are uh, joining us today. You're answering some questions of mine and also questions of the audience. Um, and so we are excited to see what the future of MyGuru holds and excited to get this conversation out onto our platforms. So thanks again for joining.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me. I had a good time.
0: Thanks so much for listening to this amazing podcast episode with Mark. We hope that you enjoyed it and are excited to join us again. If you are, please subscribe to the podcast, review it, and even better, share it with somebody who you know would enjoy it as well. In addition, if you would be interested in being on the podcast as a featured guest, either doing a live case or telling your story, we would love to hear from you. Finally, if you have recommendations of someone else who would be a great guest on the podcast, please send their name over and we'll reach out directly. You can reach us at team at Thanks again for listening.